What if every day you had the chance to experience more love and intimacy in your life? We're going to be sharing stories of struggles and triumphs in love, sex, and relationships, along with expert advice to create more conscious connections. Enjoy this podcast with Dawn Richard. Wake up to real love. Hi, everyone. This is Dawn Richard, also known as The Awakening with Dawn. And this is the Wake Up to Real Love podcast, where we share stories of struggles and triumphs in love, sex, and relationships, along with expert advice to create more conscious connections. I'm super excited today to introduce my amazing new friend and colleague, Arlene Washboard, Washburn. Hi, Arlene. Hi. So good to be with you. <laughs> so great to have you here. Arlene is an award-winning science-based dating and relationship coach and matchmaker. She's on a mission to help singles achieve their relationship goals, and she does so through her boutique matchmaking and coaching company, AV Connections. She's based in New Jersey. She works with clients worldwide, and, the, and she's creating an online coaching community, Get Real, Get Love. I love that name, by the way. Um, Arlene is an industry leader. Before stepping down in 2018, she was the CEO of the oldest and only state licensed school for matchmaking in America. During her tenure, she traveled to Asia, Europe, the Caribbean, and throughout the U.S. to train and mentor other love industry professionals. Arlene walks her talk. She does. I can attest to that. She's achieved a lot of personal and professional success, and so have many of her clients. I'm so glad to have you here. Welcome, Arlene. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here and excited to have this conversation with you. <laughs> you are okay. We just we just had a previous po- podcast before the podcast, and <laughs> you are such a Renaissance woman. Um, but I have to ask you this: this first crazy question is who won the mayonnaise argument? Oh well, I I did. I did. <laughs> I'm surprised you saw that. That is so funny. Yes, I actually won that argument. I agree with you. Can you just tell people what the deal was? (laughs) Well, my husband and I have been together for a very long time, and I know that he always says he doesn't like mayonnaise. So we have an RV that we bought during COVID, and we were on our way to a trip, and we stopped at McDonald's, and he asked me to get him a chicken sandwich. And when I got there, now I never go to... I shouldn't say never, but very rarely, rarely do I go right. to a fast food place. And so I walked in there and I said, um, I'd like to get a chicken sandwich. And the woman's like, which one? The deluxe or this? And I'm like, well, what's in the deluxe? And she told me that the sandwich had mayo. Uh-huh. So I said, okay, well, I'll get that, but leave out the mayo. And then I brought him the sandwich and he started complaining that the sandwich was dry, that it didn't have mayo, you know, the mayo. And I was like, well, he I was pretty upset like- about that. <laughs> no. I mean, we joked about it on social media. I'm like, I'm putting this on social media right now <laughs> because people think that we don't have arguments because we have this beautiful, healthy relationships, but we do uh-huh. have conflict. And I thought, you know, I want to share some of that with the audience. So they realize that this is not a perfect, you know, like we see eye to eye about everything. Eventually right. he came around. Um, it took a few people to say, you're he an did. asshole. <laughs> I mean, that's what I was thinking. I was like, I agreed with you. I was like, that was really considerate of you. If you know, I mean, this, yeah, if you know that somebody does or doesn't like a particular thing and you get that for them, it shows that you're considerate. It shows that you're caring. It shows that you are paying attention to what's important to your partner. 
So I just, Absolutely. I just felt like that was such a great example of the microcosm of things that happen in relationships. Absolutely. And, and a lot of clarity came out of that argument for me as well. I realized that my husband's a very literal person. Uh, and, uh. and I initially, you know, how sometimes you learn something and you want to argue with it when it, that's what it is, right? It is what it is. And then I came around. So I went through a cycle of emotions about this. I'm like, wow, he's so literal. I mean, doesn't he have a nuance? Can't he? Da, da, da. And then eventually I said, you know what? This is going to help me communicate better. That's where I landed in all of this. Like now I'm going to be more specific. I'm going to communicate better because he is so literal. I'm going to watch the way I communicate and not be so vague, which I can be. Uh, English is my second language, by the way. So <laughs> sometimes I'm like, you know, the thing, the thing that's over there and the, over, and you can't do that with him. You have to be very specific. And so now I'm getting way better at my communication style just from that little argument that opened up a whole conversation about how to communicate with one another. And how long have you two been together? We've been together for 11, 12 years. Okay. At this point, so I always forget. This, I'm like the man who forgets. <laughs> but this came up after 11 years of being with him. Yeah. And that's the thing about relationships. You never learn everything about someone, just like yeah. you never learn about yourself. And we're always growing. Yeah. And so as long as we keep that connection and that interaction, it actually helps for us to learn more about each other and grow together. Um, so we we do our check-ins, even even those trips in an RV where we're driving, you know, he's driving, we're next to each other. Uh-huh. Typically, we never get into arguments. You know, we actually enjoy ourselves. We play games like little kids, you know, about spying cars or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many, but Let's go yeah, through but the that, alphabet. that was helpful. Yeah. And this is what I say to people. Conflict is a, a helpful in a relationship as far as getting to know one another, as long as you fight fair. And you respect each other. That's a huge one because I think so many times, well, my parents always told us when we were growing up, you can agree to disagree. Like you like white and I like blue. Are you going to tell me that I should like white more than I like blue and vice versa? It's like, no, we just have differences of opinion. We have different ways of seeing the world and it doesn't make one person right and one person wrong. And I think a lot of times in relationships, people want to be right as opposed to creating a sense of teamwork and peace. Absolutely. Um, It's one of the changes that I made uh, after going into this industry. I learned so much about relationships and communication and interactions. And I gave up any desire to be right about anything, mm. even though I might think it in my mind, because and I'm, I'm not perfect. I know I I'm can- right with that mayonnaise. <laughs> thing. <laughs> yeah. And it was, I've now created more of a desire to get to agreement. And sometimes it could be to agree to disagree, but a lot of times it's agreeing to how we're going to go forward. How can we avoid this going forward? And we were just talking before, you know, my previous career, I had, I, I spent some time as a project manager and got certified as a project manager. And it's all about mitigating, you know, negative things happening, mitigating the project going, you know, off the rails. Right. And I think Uh you can do that in your marriage and relationship, as long as both parties are willing, right. To 
try to mitigate, like, how do we avoid that argument down the, down the line? And for me, it was very helpful to be literal, ask a question, don't make assumptions. And then for him, it was like, you know, my, my wife is coming from a place of love. So let me react to that differently right. and recognize where, you know, where she's coming from. Uh, and sometimes you need outside sources to reaffirm and validate because when you're in it, <laughs> the objective third party. Yeah. <laughs> because, okay. For, in, for instance, in that situation, did your husband feel like he, he th- that you weren't listening to him? Like yeah. you weren't honoring what he wanted? I, I, and I recognized that I wasn't, I really wasn't validating him at all. Uh-huh. If I had done that, and this is something that I should have known better because I remember I used to have uh, an employee who would mess things up, like make these stupid mistakes. And then I'd walk in and he'd grab me right away. He's like, Arlene, I'm so sorry. I totally screwed this thing up. And he would disarm me. Like, what was I going to do after that? Like, if I, you know, just admitting that he screwed something up was enough to deflate me and like, um, de-escalate any any emotional reaction. You didn't have to be defensive. Correct. And I didn't do that with him. And I know better. I could have said, okay, wow, I understand that. You know, I realize what you're saying. You're right. I could have made a phone call or perhaps just checked in because you've obviously had the sandwich before. So, you know, there's mayonnaise. You didn't ask me not to, not to include the mayo. Right. So I made a lot of assumptions and I recognized that I could have at least given him that, but I kept trying to go back and say, <laughs> you well, want it to I'm be right. Be, exactly. I'm just trying to be your loving wife, you know, and, and to some degree, almost make him look bad. You know, like yeah. there might've been a hidden motivation and all of that, even putting it online. So um, yeah. So it's always important to recognize your contribution in these situations, you know? <laughs> okay. That's, that's a big deal. That that you just said, because I think so many times we point the finger at somebody else and then there are three fingers pointing back at us and we think we're not responsible for any of it. So how do people because this how do people take responsibility for their part when they just want to prove their point? It's it's very challenging, but the whole point of communicating is to have understanding and to have like a bi-directional kind of communications where it's a give and take. And if you want people to understand you, then you can't like dig your heels about things. You know, you have to just attempt to communicate, find the best ways to communicate depending on who you're dealing with. And sometimes you need to even take a break from an argument or right. a heated moment because once right. you're activated, then it's very difficult, right? Like the walls are up. There's no communication happening after that. And that's why I always say, you know, as much as you you should sweat the small stuff, it's not what they tell you, don't sweat the small stuff, you should. But timing, timing is everything. There There are times where you need to walk away from a situation and think, put yourself in the other person's shoes and then come back and first validate because as soon as you validate someone, it doesn't mean that you're agreeing with them. It's just acknowledging people right. want to be seen. People want to be heard. People want to be understood. Yeah. And when you, re- when you realize that in your communication, all the, you know, defensiveness goes down. It just goes down right away because you're acknowledging and validating people. 
So I don't. It doesn't think- mean I don't make that mistake here and there, but I try and I catch myself because I'm more aware. And that's the thing: the awareness and bringing this to your consciousness then helps you operate in a different way. You know, that's um, that. I think is a big piece of having that sense of curiosity, like what's going on for me in this moment? Why am I feeling triggered or, you know, upset in my body? Uh, What is this reminding me of? And, and how can I, how can I look through their eyes? Because I don't have their worldview. So how can I seek to understand first rather than just saying, understand me, see me, validate me. Yeah. I mean, and my husband and I, it's just like any relationships, you have your ups and downs and you go through, like everything oscillates. It's just the way our, our, our world just operates that way. And we were going through a period where he would jump into defense mode. And I finally got through to him and saying, If you know and understand that I love you, and I'm telling you, I love you. I come from a place of love. I never want to hurt you. You are my partner. We're in this together. And I want us to succeed. I want to do the best thing. I am fallible. I am a human. I'm going to make mistakes. But as long as you remember that any conversation, anything that comes out of my mouth, I'm still that person who loves you, then you won't take it as I'm trying to hurt you. And if it comes off the wrong way, just stop me then and say, hey, that did not land well for me. What do you mean by that? Can you say that in a different way? Because it felt hurtful. It felt uncomfortable. And he never had the language to be able to do that. So I'm fortunate enough that I'm in this industry of love and relationships. And I implement what I teach, what I share. I implement, you know, in my love lab, right? (laughs) And when things start to go astray, I look for information to change those things because I'm in it for the long haul. And so we've gotten through to, you know, like, and this was just like a little cycle that we were just like, oh, where's this situation going? Mm -hmm. And now we're coming back up and he's like, hey, you know, he's changed. He's like, oh, I just, I'm, I'm more in love with you than I've ever been. Like we go through these, but that's what happens in relationships. And I think if people don't, know that this is how relationships work, that they're going to do this. And when that goes down, you feel like, okay, time to run for the hills. Mm -hmm. Then you're not committed, you know? So I'm very committed to my relationship and to my husband. And they're two separate entities. (laughs) (laughs) They're two separate entities, but they create this other beautiful world. Yeah. And I don't, I mean, this is why I think that you and I have shown up in the spaces that we've shown up because we haven't been trained to do this, Arlene. How many people came from parents who, you know, oh, let's just sit down and let's work it out. And, you know, there, there have been so many um, people that were brought up in sort of chaotic environments or people who didn't know how to communicate or express their emotions in healthy and constructive ways. And is there even a way to express your emotions in a healthy and constructive way? I mean, these are all of the things that I feel like this work is so important to help educate people in a new way of being, not only in relationship with yourself, but in relationship with others. Absolutely. I mean, even as a dating and relationship coach, I've done a lot of talks at uh, organizations 
uh, where we've, you know, they've brought me in and how dating and networking are similar, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and the whole relationship space, when you can figure this out in your marriage or your dating, you can also use all of this in your relationships with your colleagues, with your employees or your customers. I mean, it's relationships are relationships. And a lot of the skills that people learn when they get the right information, it's actually very helpful all around. It's not just your, you know, significant other. Right. Because our whole world, I mean, unless you're a monk, you know, and a silent monk up in the Himalayas or something, it's like our whole life is about relationships. You know, starting with the one that, you know, of your primary caregivers, can you, can you talk about your, your um, family of origin? Like, what did you learn about relationships and what did you learn about love and communication? Well, it's interesting. I didn't really learn much about relationships in terms of being, having a functional relationship because my parents, my mom was going to be a nun. Really? And yeah. And wow. so she come, both my parents came from the Dominican Republic and she was a college professor and contemplating going into that. And in her mid thirties, which was very unusual, she met my dad. My dad was this really good looking, you know, kind of like an A-Rod looking type of guy with the green eyes. And he was a player he wasn't educated in the way she was and things like that, but she chose him. He was nine years younger mm-hmm. and he once a player. He was always a player. He was unfaithful through that throughout their entire marriage. And she was always in denial. I could tell when I was eight years old that my dad was having an affair with some woman in our building when, wow. when we lived in New York. And my mom was like in La La Land living her own little fantasy of being a wife and all this. And then when he left, we, which was very abrupt, I mentioned to you before, we were having a New Year's Eve party and he went out to get cigarettes or something and never came back. And we thought he was That's dead. So you know? crazy. It was insane. I guess he went to meet up with his then wife, uh, now wife or whatever. He uh-huh. just passed away recently. But the whole experience really taught me like a lot of negative stuff about relationships. And then as my mom raised us as a single parent, because my dad left when I was 11, she raised us to, you know, she wanted to bolster us and say, you need to be independent women. You have to make sure you don't ever depend on a man. Don't trust men. And this is something that I've been now fighting for all of my career in this uh, dating and relationship space of talking to mothers and not telling them, don't tell your daughters that they can't trust men, that men Mm -hmm. are not to be trusted, that they're not, you know, because then this child will never trust. Right. And they grow up to think, well, I now want to be married. I I like men in heterosexual relationships. And, but, but in the back of your head, you have a belief system that you can't trust men. And then they also promote this independence, right? Which my mom did. Well, you don't need a man. Well, yes, you do. If you want to be married, you need a man. If you want to have children, you need the man. If you're a heterosexual, if you want to go on vacations, holding hands with your spouse, you need that man. So needing a man doesn't make you needy. Right. <laughs> and so anyway, so those are the kind of things that she, in her desire to help bolster us as women, 
That's what she taught us. And it took a lot of time for me to deprogram that stuff out of my head. So, so talk about your first marriage because that's completely different than what you have now. Totally so, different. So coming from a place of not trusting, wanting to be independent, I don't need anybody. How did you even find your first spouse? And then talk about the evolution of that relationship. Well, when you go through life as this independent woman who is large and in charge and you don't need anybody, what you attract are people who um, are not independent. Let's just put it that way. So my first husband came from a very nice family. They were very affluent. Um, His father is actually how I got into the pharmaceutical industry. I started working for his dad. Mm-hmm. And then eventually ran that company, et cetera. But um, what happened was I attracted someone who was needy, who needed me. I mean, he barely ever held on a job. <laughs> I was wow. the main breadwinner. Wow. Um, and people looked at us and we, I had this image, right? Because my mom was also very secretive and she taught us, don't put out your dirty laundry, be very secretive. And the fact that I can talk about this stuff now, it took me years to get to a place where I can be open and so when that's people a generational at us, thing too, right? Don't, what will the neighbors think? Exactly. Exactly. And so you would see us, we'd have this beautiful home. We drove nice cars. We had limo pickups to go on vacation. You know, we dressed great and he was a very handsome guy, you know, and we had a beautiful daughter and people just, and everyone was like, Oh, Arlene, you're so lucky. You're so lucky, you know? And little did they know that I was the breadwinner, you know, and that our lifestyle was somewhat supported by his dad, who was my boss. And it was all smoke and mirrors. Um, and so people so, didn't even know that you were the that you were making the money for the. No. Wow. No, because, again, I was this really independent go getter, you know, type uh-huh. of person. And I worked for his dad for many years. And then I left when I left that company. Um, I was a vice president and I was, went into the farm, you know, I was in pharma and I just kept growing in my industry. Uh, and I was a senior director by the time I left, but, um, you know, he, he just, he just couldn't hold it together. He had a drinking problem. And as a healer, cause I know in my heart of heart, I was always a healer. I was always the person helping. I was always making the decisions when my parents got divorced. I was the youngest. And yet I made most of the decision for our household. My mom was a single mom. She didn't speak English as well as she could. So I translated everything. I have an older sister, but I I was large and in charge. She (laughs) raised me to be the one. Right. And, you know, then I had to come to terms with that because I feel like, oh my gosh, I gave up a lot of my youth to be this adult. I didn't get to just be irresponsible. And that, you know, I started working when I was 13 to help pay bills Wow. And, uh, but I, I'm grateful for it because it made me who I am today. Right. And, um, I got out of that marriage after 17, almost 17 years. And, you know, always loved, always had love in my heart for this man. I had a lot of compassion, but it taught me so much about what not to do, mm-hmm. how not to show up. And that's what threw me into the whole space, the whole relationship space, just figuring this stuff out. I'm like, I screwed that shit up. Let me figure this stuff out. Right? <laughs> um, went back to school, psychology, you name it, anything and everything. And I still, to this day, I'm like, 
always learning, always yeah. taking courses, always reading books and learn and reading studies. Um, yeah. So, okay. But I'm going to ask you, what was your part? Okay. He had drinking issues and he was not holding down a job. So I'm imagining he had a lot of self-esteem issues, felt insecure, et cetera, et cetera. So what was your part? Because I think a lot of times it's like, why don't you, why don't you, why don't you? But what do you feel like you were doing um, in the relationship that, that contributed? Oh my gosh, so much. <laughs> I was, so what I brought into the relationship came from my nuclear family, which right. was having to be responsible for so much at such an early age doing the right thing, but resenting it every step of the way, mm. like being mad and angry about having to be this. And so when I came into this relationship, of course, I attracted someone who needed me in right. the same way that my family needed me. And I continued the same cycle of, I will do, I'm in charge. I will do this. I'll make the decisions. I will do it, but I'm going to resent you and I'm going to be angry about it. And I was like the dry drunk because mm. I was angry and critical and putting people down because I was, they were, I was so disappointed with them not stepping up to the plate, thinking that that would motivate when what it did was the complete opposite. Demasculate. And exactly. So talk about doing everything wrong. I was all over it. <laughs> that was my specialty. <laughs> Um, and so it taught me a lot, you know, and I, and when I got into this work, I realized how much I contributed to the dysfunction, to the demise, and then raising a child in that environment was so detrimental. It's humbling. Oh, isn't yeah. Isn't it? I mean, because, because I, you know, for a long time in my own marriage, I blamed him for a lot of similar issues. Um, and I had to look at, you know, what was I doing? Because I was critical, like, why aren't you doing such and such? Or why do you do such and such, you know? Um, and then re realizing like, who am I being in this relationship? Even yeah. though I have, and I, I think it's really important, Arlene, because a lot of women, I mean, we were talking about this before. It's like, we pick projects, we pick projects because, because why, why do we pick projects? Well, if you, if you're a heart centered healer, a lot of my clients that I've worked with in the past who are therapists tend to do that. They attract because it's, it's a little bit challenging, particularly for women to compartmentalize mm -hmm. in the way that men do. So you being a, a healer and helping and supporting someone can exist in your work and not exist in your personal life. But we sort of convolute where our brains are like spaghetti and everything sort of gets convoluted in there. And says the yeah. project manager. <laughs> exactly. So it, I immediately recognize that, you know, this dynamic that I had in my youth and even as an executive, the reason I got some, you know, into leadership positions is because I had that personality of Large taking charge, charge and making decisions and not and being very comfortable making decisions and looking at patterns and figuring out what needs to happen when that was my specialty. 
but I could have left that at work and not brought that to the home. And the fallacy of it all is that the women who take on projects, we're not really good at solving those personal projects. We're just make them worse, but <laughs> you may be good at it at work, but you're not doing a good job when you're doing this in your personal dynamics, because a lot of times you're not really implementing what you do at work. Your, right. your emotions are taking over and right. that's sort of, so um, it, it was a big, big learning experience and I'm grateful for, for the experience. And I learned so much of what not to do yeah. and uh, yeah. how to support people and validate people in my life. And uh, it took me years to get there, but, you know, and, and also establishing boundaries, too, because when you don't have boundaries, usually these healers, right, the project, the ones who want to take out projects usually don't have boundaries. So you attract narcissistic people and people who, you know, take advantage of you because usually those kind of those personality traits go hand in hand. Oh, large and in charge with no boundaries. Come on in. I'll take care of everything. <laughs> So I, so I should tell my dad, I'm a really good project manager. (laughs) (laughs) That, I mean, that's actually really fascinating because I do feel like there's so many, it's, I feel like it's a whole paradigm thing because women, uh, you know, are, are choosing to, to be in business and choosing to have obligations outside of, you know, taking care of children. And so it's how do we balance all of this stuff and be in relationship? Because when you were talking, I was, I was thinking about, I'm a, you know, I'm a heart centered person. I want to give. And yet in these certain situations, I have to, in a way, like be more objective Right. Like be that observer that we were talking about a little before. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I don't believe in balance. I don't it doesn't exist. Um, I think that you just have to integrate everything and be present at in the moment of whatever it is that you're doing and just give up the idea that you're going to have balance because it just doesn't exist. How do you I mean, to get true balance, you have to provide equal time to everything Mm -hmm. and that's just not doable. Mm -hmm. So I think that prioritization of what's important and dedicate, you know, being present and dedicating the time to whatever it is that you're doing and not feeling guilt about it, which was a big thing for me because I was right. I mean, I was a career driven woman with a, as a single mom and you know, you feel a lot of guilt that you're out there. I, I was traveling and doing all this stuff. But when I, I remember one time, my daughter sent me a Mother's Day card and I read it and I was like, this is like my Oscars of, of being a mom, right? <laughs> like where she said, you know, I understood that you were working hard and doing everything on your own and I admire you and all these beautiful things. I still have that card. I was like, okay, great validation because I didn't want to leave my daughter. I didn't want to not care, but I had to do what I had to do to sustain our lifestyle and to be able to take care of everything because I didn't have child support either. (laughs) Right. So, yeah. It's like, um, how, how can we, well, and then, and then you come to a lot of women who become single moms and it's like, how do I take care of it all? Because I have to be both the mom and the dad. 
Yeah, you have to implement resources and, and be creative about it. I, I just had done a, recently, I have the Get Real, Get Love show on Facebook and LinkedIn. And I did one on single, ma- uh, single mothers or single parents dating. And one of the strategies that I shared is that you could create a co-op of other single parents who can't afford to be paying a sitter to go on dates. Right. And most people have, you know, uh, custody situations where it's every other week. And so if you get four people together every other week to stay and babysit all the kids and to go on dates and like just get creative about putting resources together, because that way you can go on a date and be present and interact with that person and not be worried that your kid this, that and the other, because, you know, you chose whoever those people are that you trust and that they're safe and that they're being taken care of. So it's just a, it's a matter of like where there's a will, there's a way. You just have to be very creative about it. Um, yeah. Think so. outside. Think outside the box. Absolutely. Because I also believe and it took me a while to get there. I thought, OK, well, now I'm, I'm a single mother. I was 35 years old. I thought, well, I don't want any men around my daughter. I'm not I'm just going to date. And I'm going to be single. And nobody's going to come around my kid and blah, blah, blah. And what I realized eventually after getting into this industry and learning was that the best gift that I could give my daughter was to have a beautiful and functional relationship that she could witness. Exactly. A healthy relationship that she could witness before she left the household or our home. And that's what I was able to do. And it was she was maybe 20. I don't remember. And well, 20 something. Right. But she was still living with me and she got to see that. And it literally turned everything around. The person that she married is very similar to my husband. He's a decent, hardworking guy who loves her to death, who supports her. She's a stay at home mom. She's so happy in her family. But before that, she was dating these dirtbags. Why? Because she never saw that. Right. I remember my husband saying, you know, you live with us. If you're going to date someone, they need to come into the house and meet us. We want to meet him. <laughs> and she was 20 something. And I was like, I never forced that on her, uh-huh. you know, because as a single parent, you have so much guilt that you let your kids get away with stuff. You don't have the right boundaries thinking that, oh, all this guilt because we're divorced and not having those boundaries actually makes them feel unloved, unloved something that I learned and unsafe and unsafe. And so with my husband creating these rules in our home actually made her feel more loved, more protected. And mm. she did. She started to bring in people that we we met a couple of people, one she lived with briefly and then her now husband. And it was a game changer. Just ha- me having a good relationship in my home that she could see was a game changer in my daughter's life. How, how did you learn to trust when you first met your husband? Because this was, you know, you went from not trusting and, and not being able to rely on anybody. How did you make that transition to learn to trust and feel safe and secure and not feel responsible for doing everything? Yeah, that's such a great question. Um, I did not have trust issues when I met my husband because I had had a relationship eventually with someone. We talked about yeah. him and I met this gentleman. I mean, I, I dated a lot of different men and this guy and I had an on and off again relationship because I, 
I felt like I could not fully commit to the relationship because he was 25 years older. Yeah. But I fell madly in love with this man and he taught me to receive, mm. to trust, to allow someone to support me, to partner and all of these things that I never knew and understood because I came from this mentality of being independent, not being able to trust. And when you think something, when you believe something, you create it, you, you create mm-hmm. it, right? You choose, you make choices to witness and confirm and reaffirm the belief that you already have, even though it's not based on any truth or fact. And so my relationship with my husband at that time was a result of my decisions and also me co-creating this, this relationship of not being able to trust, right? However, coming out of that and having this older gentleman teach me so much about life, about everything, entrepreneurship, uh, partnership, uh, everything, intimacy, um, that was a game changer. So I had that bridge and the combination of studying what I was studying about dating and relationships and having this example and this person living through it. Because, you know, people think, well, I need to be perfect before I can be in a relationship. No, those you relationships never, you never actually have a help relationship. You. <laughs> right? Like, oh, I got to do, I got to do the work first before I, not necessarily. You can do the work and be in a relationship and have that actually help you get there faster. Right. And that's what happened for me. So he was the bridge. I ultimately couldn't commit to that because of the age difference. Right. And later met my husband. So I came in with a lot of trust, a very different mindset, a level of maturity. I was 19 when I met my first husband. Mm, right. So I was a child without my brain wasn't fully developed until I was 25. Right. So all those years that I was screwing things up over there, <laughs> I was still, you know, not fully mentally developed. So, okay. I have a question. Cause you mentioned, uh, you, he, this man taught you how to, to receive. And I feel like that's a huge, um, issue for women, especially because we generally give, 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 give. It's like our value comes in giving, you know, especially when you have children, you're constantly giving, giving, giving. So how do you learn to receive. It's all about self-love and self-care because most of the time when you are not able to receive is because you don't feel worthy. And when you accept that you just existing in the world, not even doing anything that you're still worthy, that you're still valuable, that you don't have to be doing or giving anything to be valuable When you can get to a place of acknowledging that, then you're able to receive. And I was the type of person that even in my friendships, if a friend did one thing for me, I felt like I had to do three things to pay them back. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to owe anybody. I had to make sure that I was just keeping up. And and that brought me so much peace, just recognizing that just being, I was worthy. I was Mm -hmm. valuable. And a lot of that comes from a feeling of abandonment. You know, when you yeah. have a parent who leaves you yeah. and, you know, those are your first loves in the world. Right. You feel like, oh, I'm not worthy. 
my father left and didn't what's the matter what's the matter with me why did why didn't he love me or why was i unlovable exactly and the thing is is that we're not self-aware so we're not even stopping to say well what is my mindset what is my bs which is what i affectionately called your belief system right (laughs) (laughs) what is the bs that i'm running a program on and when you can dig deep and recognize oh which most of us don't escape childhood without a feeling right. of unworthiness or, you know, abandonment, um, rejection. Uh, exactly. When you can identify that and be self-aware and then recognize, okay, I can release that and look for evidence of the contrary. You got to be looking for it, right? All of a sudden you're like, oh, eyes wide open, right? It's like you... You buy a car and you're like, oh, I'm the only one with this car. Now, everywhere you look, you see the car. Now you're aware of the car because it became part of your consciousness. And that's the same way with your belief system. If you can release a negative mindset and start to look for evidence, I I have my clients keep an evidence journal. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, it's just a decision. Like, you know, I'll have a client say, well, I, you know, I, I think all the good men are taken. Oh, really? Okay, let's let's work off of the idea that all the good men are available and I can have as many as I want and I can attract one and they're everywhere. Now, keep an evidence journal, look for evidence of the good guys. Oh, this guy just opened the door for me. Oh, that's a good guy. Let me write that down. And that's how you reprogram this thinking, because if you have a belief system that doesn't support your goals, right, then you're not going to achieve the goals because the belief system is the autopilot that's running that has an effect on how you speak and how you act because you want to be congruent and that's what just keeps happening over and over again so and how's that related to how you feel about yourself exactly it, it's it's a hundred percent related to how you feel about yourself but you can make a choice not to feel that way People don't, people think it's a much bigger, deeper process. And I know some people will do hypnotherapy, which is a great way to get there. Some people might do, uh, some, you know, as a therapist, you know, this, they might, uh, do affirmations. That kind of stuff never really worked for me. What really worked for me was very analytical of just writing down, starting with, okay, this is an area of my life that I'm not happy with right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Identify the area. If that's if you're unhappy, there's something in your belief system that's causing the results that you have right now. So what is it that you're believing? Oh, I, my business is not going anywhere. Well, I don't have a business acumen. I'm not capable of doing that. I don't know how to do this. That's all. Stop talking yes. about me, Arlene. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's like, okay. So if we can identify instead of yeah. I can or I don't, this is what I need. Where can I get this? Uh-huh. Okay, I'm gonna. How get can this. I find the resources? Exactly. Where can I look for the support? Yeah. Now I know. Now I believe I can do this. Uh-huh. All of a sudden, you're saying it. All of a sudden, you're doing it. Mm. It's it's really fascinating because you are such a science based, you know relationship coach, you're like, look at the data, look at the data. And yet you have this really incredible energetic spiritual perspective. And so how do you, because 
you know, I believe we're all energy, right? Energy cannot be created or destroyed. We just are. And we're all connected to the energy that's around us. And so how does that translate into your matchmaking business? I love that question. And it's so funny. I don't talk much about energy or any kind of metaphysical thing, but all of that has been around me my entire life. Mm -hmm. And I do believe in all of it. And in fact, when I'm coaching clients, as much as I understand the data and I can really pull it out fairly quickly, what comes out of my mouth in many ways is almost like a download Mm -hmm. of what I need to tell that person in that moment to create those transformations so that they can feel it, feel it in their body mm-hmm. and be able to embrace it and have it take hold. And so what I like to do is have the data in my back pocket because I attract a lot of really smart people and they tend to be incredulous. So they need the proof. Right. But I also bring a very spiritual and, um, transformational style to the way I coach people because I need to get through to them emotionally um, in order for us to have success. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) so how do people tap into that in their relationships? Cause I, cause I, you know, we're all part of this system and I feel like so many times we disconnect, um, from parts of our system. (laughs) Oftentimes we disconnect from our hearts in order to just stay in our mind. Well, I should do this and this will help me do this as opposed to what's going on for me. How can I connect with myself? Yeah. I recommend to almost all of my clients. Well, basically to all of my clients that meditation is a wonderful resource And the first thing that we go over is that meditation is not shutting off your brain, which you're not, you can't do that or shutting off your thoughts, right? Because that's, people feel like they fail when they try to meditate and they start thinking that is part of the process. You just, you're in a, in a space of allowing and embracing and being present. But what it does is the meditation is a very useful tool and they've shown there's a lot of science behind this where the part of the brain that bridges both the left and right brain, it's called, it's called the corpus callustum Mm -hmm. is a bridge and it gets bigger with meditators. So it creates a more, yeah, physically that expands and it creates a fluidity between creativity and problem solving. So even the way you communicate is a lot more fluid. So you can be creative and analytical. Um, you can solve problems easier because you'll find the creativity and the, the facts and the mechanics of it all. There's more fluidity there. So meditation is a great thing. It helps with anxiety. It helps to be present. Right. Um, so that's a great thing. Another thing that I always talk about is also gratitude because people get so mired in the negativity in their lives. And just because our brains are designed to be negative as a form of protection. And so to get away from that, it's so important to be in gratitude because it's hard to be mad or sad when you're appreciating something and mm-hmm. acknowledging. And the last thing I would say, which was one of my biggest vices was this addiction to being busy. 
where we fill up our time so we don't have to focus on ourselves. And so finding that time, and that's where the meditation can be a great resource, the gratitude, because you're stopping everything and you're focusing within and you find answers to your own problems just by stopping because we're so distracted with our phones, with our kids, with our jobs. Yeah. It's like, it's a nonstop energy, you know, this energy of going, going, going like on a hamster, a hamster wheel, right. Rather than thinking, stopping, taking, like becoming more strategic with your life. Um, And so those are the things that I recommend. They're very simplistic, but they are very powerful. I was going to say, but simple isn't always easy, <laughs> True, <laughs> but it's, but it's a practice. It's a practice it's a like practice. anything. And I, and I feel like this is the thing with relationships is because people, like you said, you have these cycles and these ebbs and flows and ups and downs. And so many times people have a hard time navigating through, right? It's like, how can I figure out how to just allow things to unfold? And even if you get into, you know, confrontation or conflict or whatever, that you say, this is part of the process. It is because absolutely we, part of it. Yeah. Go ahead. Talk yeah. about that. Sorry. Yeah. I, I was going to say, I look at life kind of like a roller coaster ride. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. Right? Uh, as you're going up, you're building all this excitement. There's this newness. Something's about to happen. And then fear kicks in. And, you know, all it's just all of it. You just have to embrace all of it, including fear. Because on the other side of fear is you're coming down, you know, like you might be afraid, but maybe nothing happens. Maybe you grow from it. Maybe you get you know, uh, an accomplishment of like, oh my God, I did it. That's what's on the other side of fear. And I've just recognized that throughout my life. And, you know, obviously I'm in my fifties now. So there's a lot of wisdom that comes with time. Obviously, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, time really has built in a lot of that confidence and wisdom that you start to realize, oh, yeah, this is what happens in life. You know, oh, you're going up, you're up, you're all excited. And then, oh, you're coming down. Embrace the coming down. Know that there's going to be an upswing again. Just know that and accept that because life oscillates. And then when you know that, then you don't have that fear of like, oh, my God, am I going to go back up again? You are going to go back up again. I would say that's the same in relationships. That, Absolutely. you know, especially when you meet somebody and it's all exciting and, uh, you know, and you're, you know, you have all the butterflies and all the romance and the chemicals and all that kind of stuff is happening. And then, and then you have that downswing where you're like, Oh, what, what's going on? Why am I not feeling all of this stuff again? It's like, this is part of growth and evolution. And so how do you, how do you manage? Uh, how do you manage the ups and downs and how does your partner manage the ups and downs and how do you figure out how to navigate them together, (laughs) together? It's all about curiosity, right? When things are not going in the direction that you feel they should be, get very curious, ask questions, open-ended questions. If you're interacting not accusatory questions, not you this and why this, why don't you just 
I'm curious. Help me understand. Tell me and, more. Right? Or how do we partner? We had a situation, my husband and I, that happened. I can't even remember what, because I'm like the man in the relationship. I forget the super stuff that happens. <laughs> he sometimes holds, holds on to things. I mean, I'm like in one ear, out the other, like <laughs> I'm done with it, right? But we had a situation and it got heated and we took a break from discussing it gave ourselves gave each other space which is very necessary sometimes when you're activated and then came back together and I said listen I know this is not this is not a good situation but how do we avoid this in the future how do we let's roll up our sleeves and figure out how we're going to avoid this going forward because I always say to him and I posted something on Instagram today I always say look we're going to be married we could be miserable and married, or we could be happy and married. Which one would you like? Oh, <laughs> what a great question. Wow, that's an awesome question. And he's like, yep, you're right. And what that does, though, and I remember when I said that for the first time, he looked at me like he felt a bond because he felt like, okay, we're in this together. Yeah. It was a confirmation. And also, it was just like, yeah, you're right. Like, what, what am I doing here? Do I want to be miserable? Or do we just want to be happy together? And so we were like, okay, fine. Let's roll up our sleeves and let's figure out how we're going to avoid this going forward. And that's what we do. We try to, you know, as much as possible. I'm not one to be, I don't yell. Uh-huh. He, he's one that likes to kind of raise his voice and then doesn't acknowledge it. And so when that happens, because I get triggered because my mom was very loud. Mm-hmm. I get triggered with loudness and stuff. I will, I'll, you know, I'll just... Point it, point it out to him and say, can, please speak to me in a different tone and lower your voice. I can hear you. I can hear you. I hear what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And then he'll lower his voice again. But, you know, we do all these things because where we came from, right? Like I'm, I'm averse to loudness. Maybe his, I don't know the dynamics that he had with his mom because his father died when he was nine. Mm-hmm. Maybe she was very low key, or maybe she was a yeller. I don't know. Maybe that's where he got it from, but we all get this stuff from where we came from. And so instead of getting defensive about it, you say, Oh, that's really interesting. What's going on for me. Exactly. I think a big part of it is taking responsibility. Like you were talking about a previous client, not really taking responsibility for the way that she's showing up, I think a lot of times we don't take responsibility for the ways that we're showing up. And so when you matchmake, how do you help people become more aware of the way that they're showing up? Yeah, it's um, so the matchmaking process, unfortunately, I'm also a coach. So I'm able to coach people. Not all matchmakers are coaches. So matchmaking is basically a process where you get the requirements from your client and then you find someone who fits those requirements Mm -hmm. and it's not so much about navigating relationships and things like that so i'm able to help through coaching because we do what's called a feedback session after every introduction Mm -hmm. and so i i garner feedback from both parties and then i can translate to each other right because (laughs) (laughs) And, and literally, it requires translation sometimes because people yeah. misread situations. Yeah. You know, um, and I know the people that I'm putting together because I always tell my clients, I do the first dates for you. I date the right. guy first. <laughs> I date you first. I know who, you know, I know 
where, where you guys are coming from. We've had long discussions about how you grew up. I know a lot of the things I'm able to interrogate people right. as a matchmaker where you don't really want to do that when you're dating. Um, so yeah, that's very helpful because I can help, um, translate or at least help people shift their paradigm about love and relationships or make them self-aware because we all have blind spots. I have right. blind spots that I'm sure, you know, a therapist can help me I with. Don't. Right. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So just helping people recognize their blind spots. And I try to do it in a way where they can self-identify. If right. I'm telling you, then it may or may not sink in versus you telling yourself. Right. Because that's a very powerful thing because that's actually you and your mind talking to one another. <laughs> right. Right. No, I think that that's what, you know, as a therapist and a coach and as you as a coach, you help people. <laughs> like I've had clients before say, oh, yeah, you were in my head. <laughs> <laughs> what would Dawn say about this situation? Um, yeah. And even when I went to my own therapist, because I've done my own inner work, and she would say, what would Irene do? You know, it was like that question to become more aware of who you are in that moment so that you can, so that you can discover yourself so that you can understand yourself better. And it's, and I think a lot of times people carry this sense of judgment, like, oh, if this happened, then I'm going to say I'm a horrible person or I'm a bad person or I haven't figured this out or whatever your BS is around that particular thing. But if we can all learn to be more gentle with ourselves and just say, oh, this is really fascinating. What does this mean? What is this trying to show me? Yeah, that and I agree wholeheartedly with you. I also believe that people malign themselves and say, well, what's wrong with me? This, you know, why would I, what's wrong with me? I did that. That was a bad choice. I don't trust myself. Instead of saying, there's nothing wrong with me, there might be something wrong with the plan or the process or the strategy. Let me look at, let me look at the strategy. Let me look at the tactics and the plans and the things that I'm doing. Not look at myself per se. I know, and I'm not saying don't take responsibility, but if you put yourself down, like, would you do that to your best friend? No. If a best friend does something, it didn't work out. Would you say, what's wrong with you? This yeah, you're did, an like, idiot. You're an idiot. No. You would say, well, that thing that you did, you know how you went left? Maybe you can go right. And that, that that's what you do, right? But oftentimes, people put themselves down and, and like there's something wrong with the person. In the same way, when you have an argument with a significant other, you shouldn't put them down. You can talk about the thing that they did or what they said and address it almost like it's a separate thing from the person. Right. The minute you start putting that person down or putting yourself down, right. that's where you go down these rabbit holes and, and there's no progress in that. Right. The progress is recognizing the strategy. Oh, that strategy is not working. Oh, this activity can be done differently or I need some resources. Let me look outside of myself. Sometimes the, as Einstein always said, the mind that created the problem can't always solve the problem right. and therefore look for outside information and then use that and try something new. But you're good. You're fine. There's nothing wrong with you. 
Yeah, I was going to say a lot of times um, it's it's an it's an observation about a behavior versus a character attack. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So just because you did that thing, you know, you're still a good person. I still love you. I still care about you. But you might want to look at that and say, how is it impacting your relationship with me? Exactly. <laughs> that's, yep. that's the one. That's one of the things that that I talk about, you know, in like just basic, basic, the most simplistic terms is what you're doing, saying how you're showing up. Is that helping create a sense of closeness and, and connection and a sense of safety and trust and security or not? Because they're two totally different things and you, everybody knows the difference. Everybody can feel the difference. And, and you know it when you see the results of whatever it is that you're doing. So yeah. when you take a step forward, whether it's in your business or your relationship, any anything, your education, you need to look at that activity and say, is this bringing me closer to mm-hmm. what I would like to achieve? Mm-hmm. Nine times out of 10, if you, only, if you just stop and look at that, you can realize, oh, maybe I should, maybe that's something I can let go of. Mm. Right. And in fact, today, that's that's one of the things that I'm going to be talking about in, uh, on my Facebook live on the Get Real Good Love show is how's that working out for you? Because I've had <laughs> a couple of interactions recently <laughs> with people on Clubhouse. And I had one last night, as a matter of fact, where she's like, well, I'm I don't do X, Y, Z and I don't care. And maybe that's why I'm single. And I was like, well, how's that working out for you? Is that what you want? You want to be single? No. Okay. Well, why not maybe consider a different behavior or Mm -hmm. strategy to get the results that you really want? Or do you just want to dig your heels about this is how I am? And she was a young girl too. I'm like, you know, you're a work in progress until the day you die. You're going to keep changing and evolving. Right. Right. But if you dig your heels about doing something that's not working for you, all you're doing is wasting time. Yeah. Because if you keep doing the same thing, expecting a different results, <laughs> what are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> but that, so, yeah, but I think that's part of accepting your own humanity. Like, you know, because if I, if I say I am X, Y, Z, and I'm not going to do anything else, then you're saying, well, you're not really open to change or evolution and you just want to be Right. Rather than being curious and saying, huh, I wonder if, or I wonder how, or what might be possible. Um, We have so many uh, limitations that we put on ourselves. Really? It's, yeah, there's a lot of good work about, uh, by Dr. Dweck on the growth versus fixed mindset. Yeah. And, and it was a book that she wrote really geared towards children. But when you can teach people that you weren't born with a set of like, this is how it's going to be, that you have the ability to grow, to expand, to develop, to learn, to take more in, even into my mom's going to be 90 next week, Wow, that's amazing. even into that age, right? Yeah. You can yeah. still be learning and creating new uh, pathways in your brain and all of that. When, when and that's where I bring the science and the data because I can show people, look, it's not me. I'm not saying this. This here it is. Here's the proof. Um, when you can get people to go from a fixed 
to a growth mindset, that is life-changing because then they can recognize that you are not what you do. You, you are a being that's going to have different experiences as a human and that you can change those experiences. You can change those results. You can change everything and still be who you are. Yeah. And what a gift to give yourself. Yeah. It's like acceptance. I don't have to, I don't have to be anything but who I am in this moment, regardless of the challenges or, you know, issues or that I'm facing right now. It's like, I've come through, you know, it's like, you don't fail. You just get feedback. You don't make bad choice. I don't think any choice is a bad choice. I, and I don't think that any turn is a wrong turn. I feel like it's what, for whatever reason, that was part of your journey. That was part of your learning experience. (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) That this is all part of our learning experience of, how, how we are and who we are in this thing called, in this game called life, really. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing when you can wrap your head around that and realize that you don't have to worry so much that yes, relationships, businesses, education, all of that takes effort, Yeah, but that's living. Yeah. You know, and that everything, anything can change like the flip of a switch just by one decision. One small decision can cause major changes in your life. The butterfly. And knowing, yep, and knowing that the world is your oyster and that these, this is here for the taking, that there's enough to go around. Yes, there's a lot of great men, a lot of great women who are single, who are looking. They just need to connect. And that you need to, you know, that you can open yourself up to the possibility that, yes, if you thought about it, it already exists and it's there for you for the taking. You just Woo-hoo! need to attract it. It's, yeah. And, you what? know, that was my mindset when I met my husband. Uh-huh. I knew that experience of having that relationship for eight years with this person, just knowing that he existed i knew that somebody else in the world could be like that yeah and i'm i I would say i manifested my husband because i was like okay now i know exactly the kind of person i want in my life but younger yeah (laughs) and i met my husband and he they're like very like like father and son i mean (laughs) i met two people more alike um but but my my idea was that i was working crazy hours and i remember getting on match.com which is how i met my husband And I knew that I was going to go on and that I was going to meet someone. I was just, I did do a good job of my profile. I did have great pictures. I wrote a very positive, you know, um, profile because I already knew a lot about online dating because I've been doing all this work and all this study and all that. That helped. And that's where I talk about the strategy, right? There's nothing wrong with you, but then you go online and you're, you put out, these horrible pictures. I just had an interaction with someone the other day and I said, can you send me some photos? Cause I might have somebody that I want to introduce to you. And she sent me the worst photos of herself. Huh. And I said, and I, you know, and, and of course I'm a matchmaker. So we're particularly critical because we're right. gatekeepers. Right? right. Right. 
So I said to her, um, can you send me something a little bit less earthy? Because I didn't want to be rude. And like, she, does this represent all of you? Yeah. And so she came back with this whole diatribe about how she's talked to men and men have said to her that they can't stand these women that have these glam shots and, and do the bait and switch. And then they show up to meet them and they don't look like that. And I said, but this whole explanation, and I'm, this is what prompted me to like, oh, how's that working out for you? Are these crappy photos getting you to meet someone? Yeah. So I was asking her for better photos that had better lighting, that weren't selfies, that had a good angle. I wasn't saying send me photos that have been doctored up, that have right. been filtered. Right, right. That wasn't what I was asking for, but people just want to dig their heels and justify behavior or things that aren't working for them. And I don't understand that. Why? If this is not working for you, why do you want to continue to do it? Right. And so, um, yeah, we just have to get out of our own way and recognize that everything, there are skills to just about everything, including relationships. If you can embrace them and implement them, you're going to have success. Yeah. And plus, I think that in the dating world, I mean, just in my in my own experience since my divorce, it's like every person I meet, I say, what are the qualities I like about them that I would like in a partner? And, and whatever qualities that they have, I think, do I have those same qualities? You know, it's not just finding the one. It's like being the one. Who are you being when you show up? Yeah. And I love what you just said, which is really important. Looking at an individual and looking for the qualities that they have, because most people, when they date, are looking for the red flags. And your brain is already wired to be negative. So you're going to see the negativity maybe faster or sooner than you would see the positives, (laughs) right? So you have to conscientious, like be very conscientious and conscious of looking for the positives and the green flags, right? Yeah. Um, So I love that you do that because that's half the battle right there. Yeah. People talk themselves out of, you know, I I can't tell you how many, how many clients I've had that say, I only go on first dates because nobody's worthy of a second date. And I'm like, oh, I can only imagine all the, you know, they're like, oh, I haven't met, I haven't met the one. I just keep going on first dates right away. I know that's a coaching client. That's not a matchmaking client. Right. Because they're going in with expectations, which right. is a word that I, I don't I take out of my vocabulary. Right. Right. <laughs> expectations when you're dealing with relationships, Forget you it. need to have co- communication, negotiations, curiosity, but expectations. No, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this is part of the journey of self-discovery and putting yourself out there and always like for me. You know, as a love, sex, relationship person, I'm all about the, you know, the love, the energy that you're giving off. So are you showing up as a better version of yourself or a loving, kind person? Uh, you know, what kind of energy are you giving to others? Because what we give out, you know, the seeds we sow, that's what we reap as well. So really being conscientious of that. And that's always a great exercise when you go on a date and you leave there to immediately think about how did that person make me feel? Mm-hmm. Did I feel comfortable? Did I feel acknowledged? Did I feel validated? Did I feel 
um, desired, all of the positive things that you might think of that you would want, that's, that's kind of where you assess that chemistry or, you know, whether or not that's a, that's a potential person for you because it's really how they make you feel. And people just get so caught up in like, well, what type of work do you do? And, you know, trying to figure out how much money they make. And, you know, those are a little bit more superfluous. And those are things that change, can change at the drop of a hat. Oh, rich, poor, employed, unemployed. But how a person makes you feel is really a more at the core of their being. And that's huge. Now, if you walk away from a date and you feel you felt judged, you felt anxiety, you felt uncomfortable, you felt like you were being tested. You know, I can't tell you how many people, guys, that they test women. They they go off on this rapid fire questions and and say things to try to test them. I'm like, that is just not a good strategy for connection, you know? Right. <laughs> but right. when you walk away from something where you're feeling that way, you're like, okay, maybe that's not the right person for you. Right. Like your instincts can tell you that. Right. And it's not just how the other person makes you feel. It's how do you make them feel? And how do you well, feel in yourself? Because, you know, we're all mirrors for each other. So if I'm feeling insecure and then I show up and then that's what I get. It's like, oh, he made me feel insecure. Well, maybe I was feeling insecure in the first place. So what do I need to learn about that? True. Absolutely. Yeah. So woof. <laughs> everyone sign up to be sign up to the expert matchmaker. My gosh. I'm like, okay, how can I join your program, Arlene? <laughs> you do really brilliant work because you have had this depth of experience uh, in your own life of your own growth and evolution. So I, I, I mean, I even sense that, you know, long time ago that you're very growth oriented and you're very like trying to look at all the different angles of how you show up and, you know, what's going on in the relationship. So I really, really appreciate that about you. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's, you know, it's, it's my life's work. I have, I don't feel like I work. I feel like this yeah. is, you know, a gift having found my passion yeah. and my mission in life uh, to be able to help people achieve their relationship goals is huge. And it's so fulfilling because I'm one of those weirdos that is like, I'm having a great time doing something. I'm like, I wish everybody else could do this, you yeah, know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, if I'm having success in something, Oh, I should share this with everybody. Everybody's got to know this. Everybody has to hear this because I come from a place of abundance and I always want others to experience this thing that I'm having. I get so excited. My, my daughter laughs at me. She's like, you're so excitable. She's like, you're like a little kid. I'm like, yeah, but so this is what makes life interesting and fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? So, um, yeah, I, I love the work that I do. And it's especially working with women. I work with men as well, but working with women has been a life's mission for me as well, because I came from a single parent. I was a single parent. I have one daughter. I have a sister, one sister. And I've seen the indoctrination of women into so much misinformation and so much misguidance, and sometimes even by their own parents in an effort to protect them and help them and bolster them that I need to fight this misinformation campaign that you don't need anybody. Right. You're exactly. Don't trust. 
Right. You know, don't trust men. You don't need anybody. Just be independent. And uh, it's just, it's a shame. But I'm on a mission to counteract all that misinformation that's out there and teach yeah. people strategies and get them away from this Disneyland Fairy and tale. rom-com, you know, BS that is there for entertainment. But I hear 70-year-old women talking like they just read a, a fairy tale story that they want to live mm-hmm. when that's not the reality of life, you know? And it's unfortunate, but that's, that's primarily directed towards women. And then we have all these gurus and all these male coaches that want to tell women how to think, how to be feminine, how to be. It's like, dude, like, you're, they don't know anything. you're a man. <laughs> like, what do you know about a woman's brain? You can't experience a woman's brain if you're not a woman. And no offense to transgender people, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, I feel as a woman, I can help women in right. a way that a man could not help a woman. He can right. maybe give some opinions about what men want, right. but you don't know what it's like to be a female. Right. right. So. Right. And I, and I think in the, um, you know, this in relationship, it's always um, a navigation of independence and interdependence. Yes. You know, you're two independent people who have your own gifts, talents, wants, wishes, desires, needs, et cetera, et cetera, goals, dreams. Um, and yet when you're in a relationship, you have to ebb and flow between the two of how can we support each other, you know, in, in moving in the same direction. And yet when, when do we need to to take our time and space for our own individual things. And so if you can learn that it's not black and white either, or it's like, I am independent and I love my interdependence because I want to hold hands and know that somebody is being supportive and giving to me as much as I'm giving to them. Absolutely. There are definitely three entities in a relationship. You, me, and we and I survey many, many couples that are older who have been together for over 25, 40, 50 years mm-hmm. and ask them, I always ask, what makes your relationship great? And, that, and they all talk about the need to have your own space, your own activities. Yeah. And, you know, you have a life and you have a life together yeah. and respecting that and not being put off by it um, or controlled. is huge. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, so that, and, and allowing also a big thing, and Dr. Gottman talks a lot about this, allowing your spouse to influence you as well. It's very important. If, you know, if you, if it's, if you can't do that, then there's not really that interdependencies. There's going to be a con- a constant conflict if you don't allow someone to influence you. Yeah. Doesn't mean you always have to be right. They have to be right or you have to be. It's just, Allowing that influence is such a huge thing and, and something that I've been talking a lot about with my husband recently, because I told you we were going, we were going through this weird period. And I'm like, what is going on here? But we're both committed to the relationship. We always, we always say forever in slow motion. <laughs> so it's like, uh, do we want to be miserable? Or do we want to get this yeah. thing back on track? And we're yeah. totally back on track, but we were just going through a period. It was like, uh, what is going on here? <laughs> But but having that uh, having that sense of commitment and 
commune communion. That's what I feel like it is. It's a real communion of yeah. two hearts and souls and minds and bodies coming together as one and yet still having that, you know, that ebb and flow between the independence and the interdependence communion. Yeah. What a, what I mean, a beautiful, beautiful. What were you going to say? Well, I was just going to say that um, knowing that you can depend on someone is such mm. a huge thing. It's so huge. Like that knowing that you have that person who will be there for you yeah. when you need them. Yeah. There's, there's, that's just a very special bond in relationships. It's so important. And is it's a sense of relief that knowing that you have that partner. So, but it's a give and take. Both parties have to be on the same page when it comes right. to that. And right. that is the bond that keeps us together is being there for one another. Even if you're pissed off or you're, you know, I don't like you on. very much right now. Right. Exactly. But doing, you know, doing the right thing and being there for one another and eventually those things subside and you get back on track. And that is normal. <laughs> You're very, very inspiring, Arlene. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So the last question that I ask my guests, because this podcast is called Wake Up to Real Love. So how do you define real love? Ooh, that's a really good question. I define love as, well, it is an action word for me. Yes. Right. So it requires a thought to me thinking is an action, right? So where I can think about someone in a loving way and a desire for them to do well in life, to, to um, help them in any way that I possibly can, um, to be there when times are down or up, whatever. So it starts with that mindset and that thinking, which to me is an action. And then speaking in a loving way, telling my husband that I love him, complimenting him every chance I get. Uh, even one of the things that I do as a wife is actually get him to smell the roses, like, you know, and, and say, oh, my gosh, we are so lucky that we have this beautiful space. Oh, my God, look at what we've accomplished. And this where we are is so beautiful. It gives it, I can see the look on his face when I talk like that. And that's part of the love, right? It's just the recognition and of whatever it is that we have together. But then also being there for him, like physically, emotionally, in any way possible. If he's sick, if he's happy, if we're celebrating and helping him accomplish his goals. Yeah. And so this is how I show my love and this is how he shows his love to me as well, right? That partnership and knowing that you have someone there and and I had said to you before we got on this podcast that when I started my business, I was dating my husband and he actually was the wind beneath my wings, you know, like he encouraged me. He's like, go get him. You've got this. You can do it. You're doing great. Or he would show up and help me to in my events, you know, putting the step and repeat and the, all this stuff. And, you know, people always think, oh, well, I can't do, I can't think about a guy or a relationship right now. Cause I'm in the middle of starting a business or I'm going to school. I'm, I'm like, it's not mutually exclusive. If you have the right partner, they actually can help you in whatever it is that you're doing. Right. So that's, that's what happened for me. Um, and to me, that's all part of the love. Yeah. Just that, that, um, 
support. Support. And, uh, That's encouragement. Huge. That's huge. I mean, I just feel like this sense of when you have that, I mean, this is what I am envisioning. This is what I want to attract in my life is to be able to um, stay, you know, like open myself up and surrender so that somebody else, like I can let go. I feel safe letting go because I recognize that I don't have to have it all figured out. I don't have to do it all by myself. But that's that sense of, I need to learn to rely on you. I need to ask for your support and your help. And, and I appreciate your encouragement and your, you know, love and your care and your, you know, just, just helping me become who I want to become, just like I'm helping you become whom you want to become. What a beautiful, what a beautiful gift. (laughs) It's very sweet. So, so sweet. One thing that my husband taught me um, that I, I was just, I found, I found was so special and, and, and it is not just having gratitude, but like he says, thank you. If I, if I clean up after dinner, and he's laying on the couch or something. He'll say, babe, thank you so much for cleaning up. Or if I take out the garbage, usually he does that. But if I take out the, thanks for taking out the garbage. And it really taught me, and it's something that I share with a lot of people when I work with couples or if I work with someone who's trying to understand and navigate relationships, is that acknowledgement of saying thank you for the small things that you yeah. think it's their job, that right. they're responsible just saying thank you is yeah. such an encouragement. Yeah. And he really taught me that. And we incorporate that anytime like this morning, he took out the garbage and he came upstairs and I was like, Oh, thank you so much for taking out the garbage. Yeah. And it's, it just like, I never have to ask my husband to do anything because he just does it. And he knows I'm going to acknowledge it. So yeah. I don't take him for granted. Not yeah. ever. Yeah. Appreciation goes a long, long way. Yeah, so, especially for men. Yeah. Well, it's for women too. <laughs> <laughs> true, All of us, true. We want to be acknowledged. We want to be appreciated. We want to, you know, we want to know that our partner notices us and, yeah. and, and appreciates us in their life. Like, honey, I'm a gift to you and you're a gift to me. So let's, you know, take care of the, these gifts that we're bringing each other. So how do people, how do people get in touch with you? Like you are just incredible, fantastic, amazing. I can't say enough good things about you. Like I'm going to come to New Jersey and hang out and go dancing. Oh, let's do it. Let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) Let's have a retreat at my house. (laughs) That would be awesome. I'm in, I'm in. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm not kidding you. Maybe, maybe I'll do that. I think my husband's planning a golf trip. I'm like, hmm, maybe I should plan a retreat at the house. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Um, well, if anybody wants to get a hold of me, I'm available on social media at Arlene Washburn. And it's spelled like wash and burn. Or uh, reach out to me at my company, avconnections.com. That's A-B-C-O-N-N-E-X-I-O-N-S.com. Um, yeah, I'm always... I'm, I'm in all social media. You can find me, Arlene Washburn. I've been around for a while, so there's pretty much a lot of content out there. <laughs> and you have some quizzes people can take and a membership site. and Yeah, all kinds of goodies. I, I wanted to have something for everyone. I know not everybody can afford to hire a matchmaker or can afford to hire a coach. 
So I put together this year in January, we launched a membership site that has a lot of great content, courses, ebooks, um, you know, video courses, and just a bunch of resources for people to start to open up their mind and look at data, uh, training, skills, anything that's going to help them put their best foot forward. And it can take one little thing to make a huge difference. So if they just get one thing out of whatever is in there, amazing. And sometimes they start there and then they hire me as a coach or they'll hire me as a matchmaker. Yeah, beautiful. So the, so the mantra of my podcast, because um, one of my mentors says the quality of our relationships determines the quality of our lives. And I feel like it's the most important relationship you'll ever have is the one you have with yourself, that all of that work emanates and affects, you know, all of your other relationships. So you are a testimony to that, um, to that like you've done a lot of your own inner work. And so I really appreciate you being here, Arlene. I'm grateful for the conversation. I'm so happy for this conversation. Beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So for, for uh, the podcast, you know, if you've enjoyed this conversation, please subscribe to the Wake Up to Real Love podcast. Um, write a five-star review. Share with your friends because we want to share the love all around the world and help people create more deep, meaningful, beautiful, fulfilling relationships. So, um, and if you want to get in touch with me, I'm on all the social medias at either Dawn Richard, S-H-A with an accent, R-D, or at The Awakening with Dawn, and uh, send me a message. I'm happy to offer a, con- a consult, and uh, I specialize in healing heartbreak, so trying to help people get through the bad stuff to get to the good stuff. (laughs) So I'm so grateful that you are here with me today. Um, You're a beautiful, beautiful soul. And I just uh, am so appreciative of you and your amazing work that you're doing in the world. Thank you. Likewise, what you're doing is very, very important because people are having heartbreaks every day. So to have a resource like you is amazing because that's what's going to get you to the other side. Yeah. So everyday listeners, wake up to more and more real love. Thanks so much, Arlene. We'll see you next time, everybody. Subscribe to the Wake Up to Real Love podcast. Leave five-star reviews. And of course, share with your friends. You can find Dawn on various social media platforms at Dawn Richard or at The Awakening with Dawn.